Good evening. Uh, I hope we're all okay and having a good start. Uh, you know, like a really cool little jingle, but it's not working for some reason. I don't know why it's not working, but it's um, it's not playing ball at the moment. So we're going to crack on with the show. I hope you've all had um, a really good start to your week. It's kind of, I don't know, the the it's it's great to have. Um, like the idea of of uh you know like the kind of the bank holiday is what i'm trying to like it just kind of threw me massively this morning like getting up and thinking it was i don't know i thought it was wednesday and then i got to school and it was like oh it's actually tuesday and it, it just all really really bizarre so it's, it's great to have this time off never ever going to um you know whinge at a bank holiday but i think having three in in quite quick succession is kind of plays havoc with the old teaching clock, really. Um, let alone does the kids, right? You know, it's exam season. If you're in primary school, you're coming up to that really key sort of, you know, time of the year where we're looking at, at SATs coming up sort of next week. That's frightening, isn't it? Where's the time gone since Christmas? Um, so, yeah, so I hope you've all had, a, you know, really good start to, to your teaching week. Um, it's a glorious day here in, uh, in West Reading, so I hope it is where you are as well. Um, we're going to talk, I'm going to talk to uh, Louisa, who eagle-eyed listeners will know was on my very very first show way back in january that seems like a long time ago as well um so yes yeah, so we're gonna be talking to her about being a head teacher effectively but more specifically like what life actually looks like as a head teacher at the moment and i think um you know from from my point of view i get to work with her every day you know she's incredibly lucky that, that i get to work with her as well i'm sure she'll, she'll say that later on but it's it's one of those things where um it, it's a really tough environment uh for for anyone in teaching let alone head teachers so we're gonna we've got a kind of like a loose agenda i'm gonna bring her in now because i can see her i think she's waiting i hope she's waiting louisa right hello there. can you hear me she's she is fantastic. Can you hear I me? Can. That's a good start. Fantastic. Great. We've had we've I've had a bit of a technical nightmare really that none of the jingles work and I can't get the news to go. So we're 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 plugging on with it and we are gonna have a jolly good chat over the next hour and a bit, really. Um you know, kind of we were we were talking about this. We, this has been in the offing for for quite a few weeks this show. Um and we, we kind of undenied about the direction we wanted to take it in, but actually it you know we were kind of discussing it today and and really just kind of just mulling over what it looks like because there's a there's a range of people that that listen to this show uh that have a range of different jobs in education whether that's in school whether that's consulting whether that's lecturing all this sort of stuff and actually like there's so much stuff that goes into the melting pot at the moment and i think um you know there's there's, there's quite a lot to chat about really so we do our best to kind of cover most of it in in an hour and, and 20 minutes um so yeah so louisa first of all you know main question are you okay <laughs> i am good, <laughs> I'm good, you are good. You. i said that really seriously didn't i you like did, it was like yeah. something dreadful has happened today but they're not going to allude to what nothing bad has happened today that we know of anyway um but yeah i like to kind of start with the, prof <laughs> the profound large <laughs> questions if you like so you've never yeah. asked me in quite that tone before so well yeah, that yeah, was an well, interesting one why should I? Why should, I shouldn't have to, should I? But there we go. Um, also, if you hear like a random buzzing, I'm in the garage, but a fly's got in and it's like massive. So I'm just going to do my best to kind of swat it away and then hope it doesn't interfere with with what we're doing. Um, 
so yeah, so I've I've done my what five minutes of of waffling <laughs> to start the show <laughs> instead of like an organised jingle and and all the rest of it. I don't know why it's not loading. It's really bizarre. Anyway, um, let's crack on. So, I guess the, you know the first time you were on this, we we did or you did quite a big introduction as to your your career, right? Your kind of teaching career, mm. um, and we're we're kind of you know the, the topic of the show is to talk about what it's like being a head teacher at the moment um i think the show is titled the the not so secret life of a head teacher because you know there's been a lot of a lot of press around teaching in general as we all know but you know specifically about being a head with you know the kind of pressures involved and and all the kind of the plates that you've got to spin on a regular basis and so i guess really um it's kind of take it back um to to the start of your headship which was 2018 wasn't it yeah september 2018 um and and kind of really just kind of recap for us and and kind of share to people that for some reason have missed a previous show with you kind of what <laughs> the the route you know the, the the year leading up to you being a, a head teacher was really um yeah so september 2018 was when I started as head of school, um, where we are now. And since then, uh, the title of that has, has changed sort of between then and now, and I, I am now head teacher. Um, but prior to that, I'd been working in a British international school in Spain, um, as an assistant head teacher of the primary school, cause it was an all through school from nursery up to 18. Um, and I'd been there for about six years, I think it was doing sort of various middle leadership, key stage leader roles and subject leader roles there. Um, before that, I was in the UK, again, just doing and saying yes to as many roles as I could really, because I've always been quite keen to explore all the different roles in a school and teach different year groups and lead different subjects and, and different phases and things like that. So lots of different things. Um, in a few different schools before doing what I'm doing now. And I, you know, I, I guess really we're looking at, at 2018 and, and we're looking up to now and, you know, 2023 coming up to, you know, September 23 will be five years in the job really. And and when you, if you, if you park the teaching element of what you've been doing, you know, the world has changed a lot in five years, right? It's not, it's almost sort of incomparable to what it was, particularly in this country, you know, five years ago. So really, I mean, have you found, have you found that difficult in terms of, you know, did you ever expect that you deal with, you know, worldwide pandemic, you deal with the cost of living crisis, you deal with, you know, these, these kind of teacher strikes, you deal with a government that, that is um, effectively failing education. Like, did you ever think to yourself in 2018, mm -hmm you know, with your brand new bag and your new pencils and all this sort of stuff, starting a new <laughs> job, you'd kind of end up where we are now, basically, I guess. Um, no, I don't think I did. But I also, I, I also don't think I really knew what to expect, in all honesty. I mean, it's, it's a very big role and a very big job. And I think starting something like that, there's so much that that you have to learn and that you can only really learn whilst doing it you know you can you can observe 
other head teachers and you obviously work for other head teachers and with other head teachers in other schools but there's there's nothing that compares to sort of actually doing it and and learning as you're going along so there's so much within the school itself and and within your own community but then when you add into the mix the worldwide changes that you've that you've just mentioned and and everything that's gone on there um it's absolutely massive and i think you just you kind of have to set aside time to really think about what you're doing just within your own school and your own cpd and and kind of locally what's changing but then also time to make sure that you're aware of what's going on more more widely and and how you place yourself and your school within that i mean uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about you as a as a kind of professional individual kind of as we go through the the podcast tonight really um but do you do you feel like since you've started the role you know you've, you've obviously held different titles you know head of school and now effectively what is a substantive head teacher um in our school or is the substantive head teacher rather do you feel like the role has changed massively in those five years as a result of of you know the kind of the the global issues and the you know the social impact that that life has had generally i think um i think that the role develops and changes as the needs of the school develop and change for any head teacher um and you know the needs of the staff change the needs of the community and over that period of time whilst you're there you're you're the one constant and i think being the constant over the last five years um has has definitely been um quite a, a lot to sort of hold in my head and a, and a lot of responsibility mm. and accountability because the more people see you as as being something constant in a time of wider change the stronger your your relationship and the stronger that level of of trust becomes and you know they people will open up to you more and kind of ask more from you and and want more help and need more which is is a brilliant thing and it's an absolute privilege to to be that person and to have that role um but at the same time you're going through the the same changes that that they are so whilst you're a constant for them you're also dealing with the same things that they're dealing you know maybe maybe not on the same level as them but in your own way i mean you know just to kind of just to contextualize this for people that that maybe don't know the situation so myself and louise are kind of joined the slt of our current school at the same time so louisa came from uh, alicante she said previously and obviously you know mentioned at the start of this podcast as well and i was already at the school but doing what was essentially a, a kind of a, you know full-time class teacher but sort of a phase leader add-on to that which wasn't really a phase leader role <clears throat> and so we joined the slt effectively at the time uh together so we we kind of went through an Ofsted fairly quickly <laughs> within like three months, I think it was. And, and that was not a good outcome. So since then, you know, up until, um, you know, we had like the full reinspection, which was in the summer of 21, losing a year maybe, but I think it was yeah, 21. May 21. May 21, there you go. So two years ago, frightening. Uh, two years ago. Wow, that's great. Um, <laughs> you know, we've kind of grown with the school a little bit and we've kind of had to change a lot of stuff some of it quickly, some of it slowly, 
a lot of it is kind of culture based and I'm not going to sit here and say that we get it right all the time because we don't, but you know, generally speaking, the school is in, is in a better place than it was really. And so on top of all those other, um, kind of worldly factors, we've, we've been dealing with basically kind of re, uh, reigniting a, a school and the community around it. So that's the kind of stuff that we've been dealing with. And, and, you know, there, there are, there are times probably when I, could have walked away from it because I was like, I've kind of had enough now. But, you know, from from your point of view, have you ever kind of felt in that block of time, actually, do you know what, I just, I can't be bothered. <laughs> just jack it in and go and do something else. Um, I don't think, I don't think I've ever felt like I can't be bothered. I don't think I'd use sort of that phrase, but I've definitely felt like I don't know if I can continue to do this. Um because sometimes, and as you know, because we go through so much of it together, there are just so many things that are urgent and important all at once. And you're having to spread yourself so thinly. Um, and you're often being told that you need to get certain results very, very quickly. It can just get to the point where it, it just honestly doesn't seem manageable and i've i've certainly had moments like that and and i think when you're feeling like that you can you you do start to question you know am i actually the right person to be doing this um so yeah I, i've definitely had moments where i felt like that well we you know we'll come back to the kind of the questioning element at the moment um you, you know in terms of the whole profession really because you know we could we could do a separate podcast on that and i, I seem to say this every time i do a show but you know that that's something that we could that kind of self-doubt in terms of a leadership role at any level of education is something that we could probably dive into you know for another two hours separately but in in terms of you and just kind of pulling it back a little bit to the kind of the main topic of of tonight's show you know obviously your your role is is head teacher of of a school of a one form entry primary school nursery all the way to year six in what is arguably a very tricky uh you know challenging economic social environment for our community in terms of your you know in terms of your kind of overall normal day in inverted commas what what does that look like you know talk talk us through what you do in a day and the kind of roles that you take on and the kind of um you know the kind of hats that you wear basically okay yeah that's um that's a really good question thank you for that one and i think it's sort of um yeah something that perhaps a lot of people don't really know unless they you know obviously everybody knows a head teacher and everybody's been um in a school with a head teacher at one point or another but it's not always something that you're fully aware of i don't think and unless you're kind of in it um, and working in a school. So my, yeah, my typical day, um, I tend to arrive at school about quarter past seven usually. Um, and the first thing that I do is to check in with our site manager, um, because the most important thing is that the building is safe um, at the beginning of the day before we know that this other staff and children are going to arrive. So. I have a check in with her and and just make sure that everything is is okay for the day and um she will let me know if there's anything that needs addressing um 
and then again in terms of priority being children being safe um if there are any staff absences or or anything like that that have come in over the course of the morning it will be making sure that that those are addressed so that we make sure all children have got the adults that they need for the day um so those two things are sort of the the first things that i do for the day so if effectively what we're dealing with there is like um <clears throat> or rather what you're dealing with there is is a kind of a situation where it's it's more to do with the logistics and the running of the school rather than anything else even before the kids have have got in basically yeah absolutely because it ha you know it has to be safe for them um in terms of the actual safety of of the building and it being warm enough and you know just sort of the basic things like the water's working today we've not had any leaks in the roof overnight uh, which i'm sure people will be aware of if they're working in buildings that are quite old too um and then again just you know making sure we've got enough adults in the building today and all of the needs of the children can be met and they're going to have somebody there who they can trust and who knows them and if somebody's unable to be in um, and it hasn't been pre-arranged, then we make sure that we change things and work things out so that the children are, are going to be well looked after and, and have a trusted adult in front of them. Okay, so that's that's even before 8.40 when the doors open or the gates yeah, open. Yeah, probably so. before 7.30. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, so, so I guess it, it's one of those things where teachers, you know, and teaching professionals in general are very good at kind of going... I'm really busy. Uh, I've got no time. Like I'm constantly on the go, and and that, you know, for for someone who's 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 kind of had, you know, classes all the way through, really, and and kind of the job that I do now, that is true. <laughs> like <laughs> if you're listening to this and and you don't really know much about the education sector, firstly, welcome. Uh, we're glad to have you. <laughs> but secondly, like that is actually, you know, it, it's full on, but kind of different full on, right? It's kind mm. of it's it's constant but diverse at the same time um so so kind of all this logistic stuff goes on and then the kind of you know the parents the community the children start to arrive yeah then what what happens then yeah so i mean i'm i'm i organize my week as best as i can and i make sure i've got certain things planned for different days of the week so that i can spread my time and my energy equally between all of the areas of school that need it um and that's been something that i don't think i was necessarily great at initially but i've definitely got better at as i've done the role for longer um so the beginning of the day priority is um being there for the staff first thing in the morning um a lot of them might have messages that they need to pass on perhaps things that happened the previous day or anything that they've got coming up in that day that they might need some help or or some support with um and then greeting families and greeting children on the gate in the morning um which i really really love doing i really like to see them arrive in the morning it's a good opportunity to check in um, with any of the families uh, that I know perhaps have been going through difficult circumstances or ones that you're trying to encourage to be more punctual or come into school. Um, if any of them have had things to celebrate or positive things that have gone on, it can be nice to acknowledge that to the child in front of their parents so that they get to hear it too. Um, and just time to sort of 
welcome them in and and be a, a smiling happy face in the morning try and say as many of names of the children as I can every morning as they go past me because I think it's really important to for them to hear their name and feel welcomed into school in the morning so I, re I really like doing that when it's raining it's <laughs> not not as much fun but you know it's, I've got a, a, a coat with a big a hood so it's fine <laughs> yeah it's a bit more of a challenge when it's chucking it down isn't it but hopefully now we're coming into the the, the positive weather is is good um so you know the the idea and i i used to have a head that um my very first head used to be out in the playground it was it was a much larger school than when i work in now or the one that we work in now rather um and he would always go out on the gate um and his kind of his rhetoric which i didn't disagree with at the time was to kind of almost be like a buffer between you know the parents and some of their teachers it's probably me because i probably upset everyone in my early years but um mm -hmm. like what you're saying is actually it's more about tone setting than anything else really is mm. that right yeah yeah and I think you know sometimes people might want to sort of share um concerns or just share information with me because it's me who's the one standing there and um you know they want to take that opportunity but I I do make sure that parents or children or whoever share it with the person who needs to hear that information most so i'll always mm. thank them for letting me know um but equally if i just have everybody telling me <laughs> on the gates i'm not going to remember it all first of all it's going to be out of my head before i'm back in the building mm. um and then there's a chance that the person who needs to hear it most might not hear it so i do sort of direct people to go and speak to a, a class teacher for example or the senko or the the office staff or whoever it is who who might need to know that and I guess really as well, it's <clears throat> in in previous years, you know, communities have, have lacked, uh, what's the word? Figurehead is <laughs> far too dramatic and self-important. <laughs> like um, familiar faces, right? People they can just talk to. And I think you know, one of the things I've noticed in the last five years is, is a much more um, accepting and understanding community where they want to talk to people in school a lot more. And, and it doesn't necessarily need to be linked to their child's educational stuff to do with school. They just, you know, without going into specific details, they sometimes just want to talk to people that they kind of know on a professional level that they feel comfortable to talk to because, you know, sometimes other professionals can be a bit more intimidating or there's there's kind of stigma attached to them. But actually, I think when we, when we refer back to those kind of five years that, you know, that you've been in the role particularly and what's happened in in those kind of years, it's it's an interesting one, I think, in terms of actually building that rapport and that, that kind of that relationship, those professional relationships with the community. So I think that's, you know, all of that is for me is the way I see you do that is kind of part and parcel of it, really. Um, and it's good, you know, like it's positive, right? It's 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 having those conversations and 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 being made aware of things that you need to be made aware of, but also kind of inadvertently kind of saying, look, we're, we're here for you as a as a as a building as a body as an organization effectively so yeah it's um it's a good way to start the day most of the time anyway yeah definitely so that happens and then what so the kid the kids come in you kind of had that interaction with with members of the community and staff and 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 uh, parents and carers what what kind of stuff happens as a result of that um so following on from that 
it's on to safeguarding um, and attendance and thing, things like that, usually, first of all. So walk a walk around school and, you know, all teachers in school will know that you've got those key children where if they're not in school, it can be a worry or a concern, um, more so at, at some times than others. Um, and so it's monitoring of which children uh, perhaps haven't arrived yet or we've had information in to say that they're not going to be in today um, and just having a really clear idea not just in my head but there's um, a whole team of us that that do this together now in the mornings um, thanks to your your excellent planning then for that but perhaps that's another podcast um, but you yeah, are. there's a team of us. There's a team of us now that that go round and just do those checks in the mornings. And if we need to make phone calls to any families, if we need to do home welfare checks to any families, those kinds of things are done. Um, if there are any parents that needed to come in and meet first thing in the morning, can often be a a useful time to do that just after they've dropped off the children. Um, and then making a plan of action for any children who aren't in that we don't don't know about for for what needs to happen there so again a, a part of the a part of the day that I really enjoy walking around and just seeing all of the children arriving into school um I like the morning routine that we have I like how our mornings are structured and I think the children have got very used to we have that that 10 minute window of the doors being open um, and then it's straight into learning. We have our, our bagel stations for breakfast. They have that amount of time where they can settle down and, and talk to their friends. And usually that's after, you know, while I'm sort of walking around and they can have a bit of a chat with me or, or yourself as well. Um, and then I like to see how quickly the learning starts after that and how quickly the, the children settle. And so I know, for example, this time of year, if I'm walking past year four or past the ICT suite, we're going to have children there uh, practicing for multiplication tests. I know that I'll be seeing phonics if I'm down in early years or in key stage one. Um, and I, you know, I know what it's going to look like in year five and six at that time. So I like to kind of walk around and just see that everything's happening as it should be and that the children are, are settled and they've come into a routine and are ready to start their day. It's one of those things, isn't it? I always say to people, if they're going to come in and look at any school, go and look at what happens straight after the doors have closed from, you know, the playground or communal spaces where the children come in to look at lunch times and look at assemblies to, to yeah. really get kind of like a culture points. of the school. And, and I think, yeah, transitions, right? And and actually one of the things that, speaking about myself here for a minute, it, that we try and do between us is kind of get around every every class in the morning and and you know, sometimes it doesn't happen because things happen and, and stuff arises, but actually like going into every class and just kind of checking in anecdotally and just seeing how people have come in and stuff, not just the, the pupils, but, you know, the staff, you know, the adults in school is a really positive way to start the day because you see so much, you know, good stuff, but also like you, you get that interaction with with everyone in, in the school community, which is great. You know, it's really, really positive. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a good way to start the day, really. Um, I suppose really the next question is what happens next, what happens next, but without kind of making it too repetitive, kind of in terms of your, about your caseload over the last couple of weeks, what, what kind of stuff is, is taken up 
most of your time at the moment and and you might answer okay well it depends on the time of year but if we focus on like the here and now since easter for example what kind of stuff mm. you as a head teacher you know in in 2023 being tasked with and you know it's taken up a lot of your time really mm. um yeah so i think at the moment it's um the point in the year where a lot of children and, and teachers are preparing for statutory assessments that need to happen and so there's an increase in practicing for those kinds of things and um having children in small groups or in interventions that are just in preparation for those so that's not something that would be happening throughout the whole of the year but it is happening at some points in the school day at the moment and I try to be involved with those as much as I can whether it's taking a group um, and actually doing a little bit of the teaching whether it's sitting with some of the children who we know might feel more anxious about that than others and talking them through strategies for if they're feeling anxious during a test um, it might be speaking to teachers and talking to them about how the tests are administered um, making sure that resources and things like that are prepared and thinking about how we're going to set up rooms and sort of the operational and logistics um, talking to parents where we know children who have got lower attendance than we'd hope know the importance of particularly um, during those periods being in school on time and supporting them with if they need help with getting children to school and things like that so I've been spending a lot of time doing that over the last uh, since since Easter um, it's also a time of year where staff start to think perhaps about transitioning to other schools or or moving on for their own career progression and I think particularly at the moment because in terms of our school we've had quite a lot of stability with um, staffing and we are one form entry there's certain career progression that we can offer but we're not a huge school so for some people it, it's you know right for them to start looking further um, and of course when people are doing that there's there's time taken to support staff with that and things like writing references and then starting um, the recruitment process and advertising and, and all of that kind of thing too. Um, we've also got things um, in the pipeline in terms of our, our building and refurbishment and things like that. So again, that's um, a lot of meetings and showing contractors around the school and, and learning a lot about blueprints of buildings and how architects can can change rooms and things like that. Um, and that's been very new for me and, and lots to learn there. Um, I think those are, are probably the main things over the last couple of weeks. <laughs> just just the main components. <laughs> and, you know, this is this is the, the, the problem, really, for me, in that you, you get so many people you know, we're not we're not here to to be political. We're not here to talk about the strikes or non-strikes or whatever. What you know, we're, we're solely focusing on on the life of a head teacher and the role of a head teacher. And and there'll be similarities to what you're saying to to what other people in in Rochdale are doing or Glasgow, whatever. You know, the the role is the role, right? But there are so many people out there that make such ridiculous sweeping statements about what an education does, but also kind of you know the, the role of a head teacher and how kind of demanding mentally physically emotionally that can be and and what you're what you're describing there in a nutshell is that 
on any given day you're doing uh actually educating you know working with groups of children you're talking about being a social worker in terms of safeguarding um you know financing in terms of the budget mm. you're talking about uh counseling in terms of of you know staff members in terms of parents in terms of carers in terms of other people that are attached to the school community uh you're talking about you know architecture in terms of actually like looking through plans and and trying to establish the best way forward to to make the school physically and aesthetically better so all of these things come into you know come into the role on a daily basis um and i i i guess really like it's it's difficult because you are always going to have and, and anyone in teaching really, but particularly head teachers are always going to have a kind of the operational, you know, strategic, urgent, important stuff that mm. you've kind of talked about, you know, the, the things that are non-negotiables, if you like, if you're going to talk about timetabling, you know, the, the, the kind of covering, uh, answering illness messages, uh, going on the gate, you know, checking in with every teacher, every staff member, every child, that kind of stuff. But then also like balancing that with the accountability of what you're doing and, mm -hmm. you know, answering to, you know, social workers in the local educational authority, uh, talking to and liaising with, you know, senior members of our multi-academy trust, which our school is part of. Mm -hmm. How do you, you know, how do you manage all that kind of stuff when every day is very, very different and very, very varied and very full on, but also so diverse and so intricately linked to every other part of what you're doing. You know, how do you, how do you kind of, how do you prioritize basically is, is what I'm asking. Mm. Um, I think, and I mean, there, there's just, there's so many things that are always coming at you and, and coming along and, what you have to do and, and what I've learned to do better, but I'm still learning um, is working out very quickly, which things come at you that are going to impact on others um, and can be dealt with very quickly there and then. Um, because if you do those things there and then it might mean that somebody else can continue with a job that they're trying to do or can go and do a, go ahead and do something that they can't do until they've got your opinion or your approval or, or your input. So I try to work out very quickly what kind of category the task or um, whatever it is fits in. And if it's something like that, I, I try to do it straight away so that it means other people can get on with what they're doing. Um, and equally, there are some things that are absolutely urgent and important and need to be done straight away, you know, a serious safeguarding concern or, or something else. Um, I also try, I mean, emails are constantly coming in from, I mean, various, various people. And I think I have, again, got a lot better at reading an email and working out whether that's one to flag that can be dealt with later at, um, in the evening or the following day or even in a week's time, um, because it isn't something that's urgent and important and it's not going to impact on anybody else. It's just something that needs to be replied to or decided um, or equally okay. something that can just be a quick yes, no. Just to jump in there. So you, we treat our inboxes very differently, right? So <laughs> I will, 
if someone sends me an email, I will I will answer it as quickly as I can because that's just the kind of person I am. Louise is a bit ruder than I am, but like I will. I will try and answer it and then kind of delete it and not leave it there. Louisa will flag and flag and flag emails and just kind of work through them in a kind of a, I say a more logical order. I don't know, each their own really. But just just as a counterpoint, like how many how many emails have you got in your inbox right now? In my whole inbox? Yeah, just a school one. Oh, more than a thousand. More than a thousand? Yeah, because I don't, I, I rarely, and if it's spam, I will delete it. And if it's a very quick series of, you know, statements and quick conversation that I will never need to look at again, I'll delete it. But <laughs> what I, everything else. I read, I read it. I'm not saying I've got more than a thousand unreads. I, right. I've probably got about 20 unread uh, since this conversation started. Um, but no, I, I don't, I, I don't delete things because I've, I so often need to go back and, refer to an attachment that's been sent or dates that are in there that I might need or you know on certain occasions to use as evidence for something that may may come up in the future um so I you know once it's once once two or three years has passed and I've not needed it I might delete it then but yeah it doesn't I mean it doesn't it doesn't bother me to have that many emails in my inbox. If they're unread, I can start to feel a little bit like, oh gosh, I've got so many emails to read. But you know, if they're if they're read and I've I've dealt with them, I'm 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 good with them just sitting there. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it again, it's it's one of those things where you you know, emails are emails, but actually like the sheer volume that you know that you get is is phenomenal really. And that doesn't always have to be CPOMs, that's just actually you know, people asking for things or sharing information or whatever. So again, all these kind of things need to be factored in as, as anyone will know, you know, it, it, I found it impossible as a, as a class teacher to keep up with my emails because, you know, at least when you haven't got a class, you've got time to kind of sift through them. But I guess mm. with, with more responsibility comes greater email traffic. It w- is the great so. thing. That, you know, that's to go back to your, your, you know, your, when you were saying about you read and, and reply as soon as you can. And I think, there was a point where I was doing that, but it wasn't a good thing for me because it meant that I could just sit on emails and reply to emails all day and not actually spend any time doing anything strategic, not being able to give meetings my foot attention, having to cancel and and postpone things. and actually by kind of doing what I do now, which is setting boundaries, I find that I'm much more able to stick to what I've planned to do for the day. And also if I set aside time to, you know, say to myself, right, I'm just going to use this half an hour to reply to these six flagged emails. That's what I'll use the half an hour for. And I feel more successful and like I've been more productive um, rather than sort of flitting between lots of different things constantly. I mean, talk, talk to me a little bit about what, you know, what your typical aims are as a head teacher for every single day. Like what, you know, as as a teacher, as a class teacher, right? So let me try and frame this question a little bit better because I'm just, I'm waffling again. In, In terms of, a class teacher, you know when something's been successful in terms of a lesson because the children have made progress in the lesson, 
um, you have, I don't know, let's go really linear and say you've uh, achieved or part achieved most of the learning intention objectives, if that's what you use in your school. Um, the children have left with a sense of empowerment and uh, positivity around what you've been teaching them. But in terms of your role, like, what would you say is a, first of all, is a successful day? And secondly, what, how do you ensure that every day or most days are successful for you as a head teacher? How do you do that? Okay, so yeah, two sort of slightly separate questions. I'll try and answer them as two separate questions. Um, in main aims for a typical school day, sort of broadly speaking in terms of school, um, I I want everybody who is in that building to feel safe and to feel happy because for me, if people are feeling like that in the building, they can then be their best version and that is what I'm all about, what our school is all about, as, as you know, in terms of our steps to success. And if people are are in the building and feel like they're being that, their best version that day, that's that's definitely a main aim for me and also to just to just do something a bit better than they've done it before and i think that you know i've i've used that phrase with the children as well because it's i'm i'm trying to sort of put it to them in as as simple a way as i can to just do something a bit better than you've done it before and for me the reason i like to word it like that is because I don't like the children to constantly be comparing themselves to others all of the time. I think that that's, that can be quite dangerous in a lot of ways. And I think, you know, and not just for children, I think really you should only be a lot of the time comparing yourself to yourself. You know, how did I do it that last week? How did I behave last time that happened? How did, how much did I remember the last time we did this? And so if you you feel like you're doing something a bit better than you've done it before, it might just be one thing one day and it might be something really, really small. Yeah. That's successful. That's a good day. Yeah, I mean, it, success is different for everyone, right? You know, in, in any any role in education, I guess, if you're one-to-one, then you're, you're looking at the progress that in, individual child has made. You know, we talked about class teachers. Um, if you're managing attendance or absence you're looking at, at being able to communicate effectively with with children and also you know parents and carers but actually from from a head teacher's point of view from i find from a leadership point of view it's like well i sometimes find it tricky to you know without, without contradicting my own question but i find that difficult sometimes to kind of to go yeah that was a really good day because of xyz like mm, I, yeah. I think sometimes you know we and we've talked about this previously but you can kind of get into a although the, the stuff you deal with on a daily basis is diverse you can sometimes mm. get into a too much of a role in terms of going okay well I'll just do this and then that's that done and then you you kind of move yeah. on there's a lot of things I think in in headship and obviously I'm not a head so I, I, I can only just go on what I see from from you in terms of daily stuff but like there's things that you never really complete that just are ongoing you know, mm. and, and I think that was the biggest change I had from when I stepped out of the classroom into kind of full-time leadership is that, you know, you feel a sense of, okay, well, that that's done. We've taught that. We move on to the next unit of, of writing or maths or whatever you're doing. Whereas in leadership, you always have those threads. 
you know, like he talks about in terms of the diverse nature of the, you know, the things you deal with on a daily basis, mm. a lot of that stuff never gets completed. It never gets finished. It just rolls on and rolls on and adapts and changes and builds and snowballs. So I think that's, that's a really big, you know, really big part of, of headship and a really big part of leadership. Um, you know, not, not just in, in 2023 in the current climate, but you know, in, in school leadership in general. So it's, mm. it's interesting really. Um, I think, um, just, yeah, just, no, I was just going to say in terms of, of my, cause in terms of myself aims for me, I think obviously I would say the same for myself as I'm, I'm saying for people in the school building, but on top of that, if I had to, if I had to choose just one sort of main aim, I think being able to self-regulate is the most important thing overall so that you're able to process everything that's going on and respond to it in the right way because schools can be highly emotional places to work in there's a lot of people in one building there's a lot of people in one room everybody's bringing their own story and their own you know home life if you're an adult and home life if you're a child and it can be very easy to let emotions that you're feeling be what drive your actions and what drive your decisions and the higher up in in sort of leadership that you get in a school the wider your sphere of influence is and so if your emotions are what's leading your decisions and your actions that's that's not a good thing for everybody else in the community so for me I always try and say to myself you know just take a moment here you know regulate which is what we say to the children self-regulate as well and it's a big part of the, the early years curriculum and then doesn't often appear elsewhere higher up in curriculums but more that's probably something else for another podcast but um yeah that, that's a really important thing for me it's um it's a good point you know it's a really good point and, and we're going to we're going to talk a little bit more about you know your leadership style kind of what's influenced you in terms of your your current leadership style and how you you deal with situations um but also the kind of more personal elements of the job because ultimately you know we're, we're dealing with with humans of all ages well, that sounds a bit kind of cold but it's true you know we're dealing with adults dealing with children dealing with you know, kind of in between so it's you know there are a lot of factors to it um, and we, you know, once I've I've done the news, we're, we're going to come and talk a little bit about your leadership style and and kind of some of the things that have that have led you to where you are. Really, um, I am going to try and play the news off the laptop, but if that doesn't work, I'm going to play it off my phone and hold it right up next to the microphone. So <laughs> hold on two seconds. Don't laugh. This is serious business. Like I'm trying to get this sorted. Is that going to play, or is it just going to give me the spinning wheel of death? You could always tell your own news. I could. That's not going to do, is it? No, fine. Okay, right. Here we go. We're going to go old school. So let me turn my phone up and hopefully this will work. Um, it just means I can't put my mic on mute for a little break, but never mind. Okay, hopefully this will work. Um, obviously, if you listen to this on playback and it doesn't work, um, then I don't know. You'll have to listen to some of the news, I guess, but we'll, we'll give it a go. Look, we'll see what happens. This 
is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. ASCOL is due to ballot members for the first time in its history. The four education unions will ballot over strike action this term and, if backed by members, would see action stretching into next year and could lead to full school closures. The government continues to hold its position that the most recent pay offer is fair and reasonable and that next year school funding will be at its highest level in history. Schools Week covers the further implications of school funding issues in a story about the cuts some head teachers are making. In a survey conducted by the National Foundation for Education Research for the Sutton Trust, it was found that schools are cutting back on school trips, teaching assistance and IT equipment to help balance stretch budgets. Responses from 1,428 primary and secondary teachers show 50% of senior leaders said their school had cut back on trips and outings this year. Schools in the most disadvantaged areas were most likely to be impacted by cuts to trips. The research suggests that in secondary schools, leaders are also cutting back on subject choices at both GCSE and A-level. The Department for Education has estimated schools overall could afford £2.4 billion in new spending between 2022 and 2024 before facing net pressure on their budgets. But the Confederation of School Trusts warned its members could face a prolonged period of financial challenge due to pay rises and other increasing costs if more funding was not forthcoming. The Sutton Trust's poll also showed that some school leaders are using pupil premium funding to plug budget gaps. The report also underlines the issue of recruitment into the sector, with the NFER predicting that the DfE will again miss its recruitment into initial teacher training target this year. Meanwhile, the TES focused on a DfE funding rule change to help schools hit by falling pupil numbers due to a decline in birth rate. Schools that are not rated good or outstanding will be eligible for additional funding. Other changes will be introduced from 2024 to 25, and councils will set expectations around the minimum funding they must provide to support schools with significant increases in pupil numbers. Schools with more than one site will also receive extra funding where they need to duplicate services over multiple sites. Falling birth rates mean there are projected to be half a million fewer pupils in English state nurseries and primaries in 2028, compared with 2022. Nurseryworld.co.uk reports on the findings of its recent survey into staff wellbeing around Ofsted inspections. In the article on its website, it reports that over 3,000 owners, managers and staff responded to questions around mental health and well-being and the impact of inspections. Many responded that they felt increased stress and anxiety in the run-up to an inspection, with many having sleepless nights and some suffering from panic attacks and depression. The possibility of losing funding, should a setting be judged inadequate, was also mentioned. Full details of the survey can be found on the Nursery World website. The Guardian reports that a record figure of £4.8 billion interest has been added to student debt in Britain last year. The government has more than doubled the amount of money it makes from charging interest on student loans as graduates face borrowing costs of almost twice the rate set by the Bank of England. The Office for National Statistics said the accrued interest had doubled from £2.3 billion in the previous year. The forecast average debt among the cohort of students who started their course in 2021 and 22 
is £45,800 when they complete their course. Finally, the Morning Star in Scotland reports that increased spending per school pupil is failing to deliver improved outcomes. Spending per pupil has risen to £8,500 in Scotland, compared with around £7,200 across England, Wales and Northern Ireland. But attainment in Scotland is not on a similarly rising trajectory. Research by the Institute for Fiscal Studies shows that despite having the highest spending per pupil across the UK for a long period, test scores in reading, maths and science have either stayed the same or have been going down. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week I'm going to attempt to explain in simple terms how the internet works. Let's take this tech briefing for example. I know every single one of you at some point have thought, how on earth can someone who makes a recording in one part of the world be broadcast globally to thousands of people and there'd be very few errors? I won't even go off when you go under a bridge. Although, I did give Tom Rogers a lift once and can tell you he's so radio he stopped talking when I drove through the Mersey Tunnel. For the internet to work, a way of allowing people to simultaneously use the same cables had to be created. The traditional phone call method could not be used because this would limit the number of users. If computers made a dedicated connection like a phone call does, then there'd be a lot of waiting going on. Imagine if you had to wait in line for a download. You are 457th in the queue. Your download is important to us. Please listen to this monotonous music while you wait. It simply wouldn't catch on. So, what happens? Data is transmitted in a similar way to the postal system just a lot quicker right now this podcast is arriving on your device in a series of packets packets are really small chunks of data that can be sent from device to device via routers without getting too geeky on you the host server gets a request from you when you press play the request says start sending me the packets of the audio chocolate you know as steve woods's tech briefing and like chocolate it's split into chunks these chunks are given an address to get to an address of where they came from some other information like a type of file being sent so your device knows which application open it in and a number so the packets can be ordered and rebuilt when they arrive these packets are directed over the internet by routers that use the address information to direct them and then rebuilt by your device once they arrive because packets are so small and can be forwarded rapidly lots of computers can send data at the same time and keep everybody connected so next time you're using the internet consider that what you're looking at has probably been split into thousands of packets routed across the world and being rebuilt in a matter of milliseconds for you to enjoy as always if you have a tech question why not send it to at tt radio official i'm steve woods and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome back to The Twilight Show with myself, Ben Thomas, and my guest, Louisa Sangera, who has the uh, specific honour of working with me every single day. Um, that was the news, and I played it off my phone because it wouldn't play off the off the system we've got on Podbean. It's, it's definitely to do with something I've done. It's nothing to do with the system. Um, Louisa, could you hear the news all right? I could. It was loud and clear. Yes. That was that stopped, for problems. Stopped my cat in his tracks too. Good. Good. Well, I'm, I'm in the garage with the guinea pigs, so hopefully they didn't um, <laughs> <clears throat> or they haven't been scurrying around too much. So, yeah. Um, so that, I mean, there was quite a lot on that news, right? And there was a lot on budgets, which... Um, we don't really want to talk about because that's kind of i mean we'll, we'll talk a little bit about your kind of fears later on but i know that that's going to be one of the things that comes up but generally there is a lot of of negative press around budgets um 
But what I will ask you, one of those one of those articles was around one of the news bites was around uh, student loans. Um, have you paid your student loan off? I have, yes. Of course you have. Of course you have. <laughs> um, I can't remember when I did, but I, I, I just, I remember leaving. So I did my, I did the three years um, at, at Portsmouth when I did my English degree and then I did a PGCE. So mm. I left university in 2008, maybe. Yeah, 2008. Um with what I would class as, as quite a lot of debt as a result of the student loans that I had. Mm. Um, I mean, those, those figures they're quoting there, like 45,000, that, that's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I can't, I mean, mine was, was definitely not that amount. And I can't, you know, it, it must be very stressful for people who are leaving university in that amount of debt to try and think about financial planning for their their years ahead and and how that's going to impact on other things mm -hmm. i mean equally i think when you take out any kind of loan you you know that you're going to be paying it back but it's very difficult to sort of think about what that's going to look like perhaps when it gets to that point when you're you know you're first starting out with doing training and particularly where you're training to to do something that's to be of support and of of service to to children and things like that it's yeah so it's a really tricky one and I, I i do feel for people who are in that situation now it can't it can't you know it it can't go on like that and it can't go on just increasing and increasing year by year because recruitment is is difficult as it is um and when you're adding things like that alongside everything else that's that's going on that's making it tricky it's very unhelpful it's um you know, we could talk uh you know an incredible amount about recruitment and retention as you know people have on on this uh on these on these podcasts you know the different that we have here at ttr and i was on the weekly review which you can get um as like a playback on on the website with uh, Lord Jim Knight, who is in the he's doing the the inquiry into Ofsted um, and and kind of general school inspection, and one of the things will will come out of that will be recruitment and retention of teachers. And you know you could you could literally just use that example of of how much debt people get into training to to mm. do a job that you know I love, you seemingly love, that many people love, mm. and they're being almost priced out of it because you know the starting salaries don't actually cover <clears throat> a lot of the initial repayments of a student loan so it's 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 just a mess really isn't it the whole thing um mm. just an absolute mess um before the news we, we talked sort of about your logistical kind of day-to-day -day running of, of how you manage your own workload of kind of the expectations from from different stakeholders of, of kind of communication with those different stakeholders but i'm, I'm kind of interested really to you know for you to 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 sort of explain your leadership style and how that's kind of developed over the last kind of five years that you've been uh, you've been holding this role, basically. So just just talk to talk to us a little bit about you know what what kind of component you build into your own personal leadership style as a head teacher of a of a primary school. Mm, that's a good question. Um, Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I. Yeah, I think it's something that I've 
thought about a lot and reflected on a lot very, very frequently. Um, because there's so many different ways that that you can be a leader and there's so many different ways that people expect you to be as a leader. And I think there are a lot of sort of stereotypical views of what a leader should look like, the kinds of things that a leader should say and, and how they should behave. And, you know, in terms of head teachers, I've heard over the years people make certain comments about what time they think a head teacher should arrive in school and what time they think they should leave and whether or not they should do duties and and all of these kinds of things um so it's something that a lot of people have an opinion on and i think as a as a new head teacher um i i certainly had a time where I was being what I thought I should be as a leader rather than who I actually was as a leader and, and the kind of leader that I'd been in the past in in other sorts of leadership roles. Um, and for me, in, in terms of my personality, I'm quite an introverted person, really. Um, and I think that has a big impact on on a leadership style um because you know the kinds of behaviors that you that you might display in the sort the sorts of ways you might um hold meetings and hold conversations and hold people to account can be can be quite different to if you're more of an extroverted person and i think for quite a while i i was sort of trying to fight that a lot and felt as though i needed to be big and loud all of the time to be taken seriously and I needed to you know even walk in a certain way and and hold myself in a certain way and I think absolutely there's a, a time and a place for that but it's so much more important to to be authentic and a lot of the time to to follow your your instincts um and for me to lead well it's really important for me to get to know what I'm leading and, and who I'm leading. And the most important thing for me is to ask lots of questions and to really listen to people. And I think conversations that I have and, and meetings that I have, if I'm asking the most questions and listening the most, I'm learning the most about what's going on. But you see, just to interrupt you there, because I, I like doing that. Um, yeah, you do. <clears throat> what what you're talking about there in terms of instincts and following effectively your gut it, it wouldn't be um it wouldn't be in any kind of leadership handbook you know 10 15 years ago would it so this is this is a fairly new concept in terms of leadership style and this kind of this idea of being authentic and kind of yourself as a head teacher it's still I personally think it's it's still a developing not trend, trends are wrong word, but it's a developing line of thought, isn't it? Because actually mm. you're expected, like you said, to be so much for certain people in a certain way, but ultimately you've got to be you. And that doesn't mm. mean walking around, you know, cracking jokes all the time, although that's obviously what I try and do. 
but you know in terms of your own leadership that's, not that, me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's, that's kind of that's really important isn't it because you're a lot of, of things to so many different people in a varied setting so actually like you know your point about being i think you used the phrase introverted personality is is really an interesting one because you know, if you think about because, you know, similar age, when, when we grew up at school, you'd look at the head teachers, you'd look at the deputy heads, you'd look at, you know, leadership people, they would do is just shout, unless oh, that was just yeah. my school and we were just awful. Oh. But, you know, very rarely do you find good leaders in this day and age that kind of rule by fear and rule oh. by kind of, well, I'm going to do this because you're scared of it and then you're going to follow exactly what I say. Um, and I know, I, you know, I know I wouldn't work for you if that was the case and that was you because I know it's it's a million miles from who you are. But it's just an interesting one to me that you're kind of, you know, you're actively promoting the kind of just kind of be yourself and, and kind of listen more than speak because there's I think there's a, an overriding fear that people in those positions need to say as much as they possibly can all the time to mm. get those results. And that's that's just not the case, is it? No, not at all. And I think, you know, I I read a lot about, all sorts of all sorts of things I do like reading but I read a lot about um you know leadership and and studies and things like that and you know there's there's been studies where people will just rate somebody as being a, a good leader or a better leader because they talked the most and they talked the most loudly and I think it's quite frightening to hear that you know that that can be the perception of some people or, you know, they're a good, a good leader because they're loud or, or they had a lot to say, never mind what it actually was that they were saying, they just had a lot to say. And, you know, they held the floor. Okay. They held the floor, but what, what was the content of that? And I think, you know, I, it's really important to have a really big toolkit as a leader and lots and lots of different strategies that you can draw on when they're needed and you're going to find yourself in lots of very difficult and challenging situations where people are going to look for you look to you and and look to your guidance and look to your advice and you know you're the person to have the last word and and make the decision and that can be done in a way where you're showing authority or you're holding someone to account or you're being very very clear but in a way that's not, you know, shouting and being big and bold and loud, it can be done calmly and sensitively, but in a meaningful way. Oh, I started talking, I'm still on mute. Oh. Do you think, um, I do want a show and that was it. So you've, you've had it. It's not bad. We're like one, one hour and six minutes into the show and I've, I've done it. So that's probably <laughs> earlier on than that. Do you... Do you think people need to like you to follow you? Oh, so you've got a lot of good questions today. I don't know why you're surprised. Not that you don't, that you don't always. <laughs> um, that's a really interesting... I think, I think if people like you, they are... When you say like you, do you mean kind of you as in your personality in a person or you as in your leadership style? Yeah, so, so I'll give you an example of that. So so I, particularly in primary school was a bit more difficult because obviously you're basically stuck with uh, a teacher for a year, right? Give or take. Mm, and yeah. so you're kind of almost forced to kind of get on with it and like them because you know you've got a year, whatever, whatever age you're at, you know that that's going to be from kind of September to July and that's going to be the situation. 
in secondary school, you know, I, I mean, you know, it's, it's not going to be a surprise to anyone listening to this and, and the job I do and the fact that I'm on a, a teaching podcast. I liked going to school. I enjoyed oh, it. I didn't, I didn't oh. go to what I would call a particularly good school. I wouldn't say that the behavior looking back was particularly good. Um, I myself was, was fine in that school. You know, I had some friends, but I wasn't, I was never bullied or victimized or anything like that at all, but other people were, and it was very, you know, it was, it was, I wouldn't say it was rampant, but it was just part of the culture of that school. Right. Mm. Which, you know, mm. me now as a leader will go, well, that, you know, <laughs> the behavior management wasn't right. And the kind of leadership <laughs> wasn't quite right. And, and all this sort of stuff. But as a, as a 13 year old, like it was okay but I learned best with the teachers that I liked because I felt like they had a, well, what I class now as a professional relationship with me mm. and the students. Mm. So I suppose what I'm asking is, do you feel like people in school need, you know, say staff, they are going to do more and do better if that's even a quantifiable word in this particular example um mm -hmm. if they like the head teacher in terms of a personality um you know not necessarily as a leadership style but do, you know do you think you need to be liked in that context to get the best out of people mm. or them to give their best to you i th i think liking helps but i think respect and trust and having some kind of connection is is more important than that and for me i've worked with leaders that i haven't necessarily liked in terms of their personality but i have respected them and i have trusted them i've I've trusted how they made their decisions. I might not have agreed with the decisions that they made, but I trusted that they made them in the right way. Um, and I think even, you know, you, I think you know when somebody doesn't like you in particular. Um, and I've known that as a, as a leader and, and as a head teacher when people perhaps haven't liked me. And I think in those kinds of situations, it's, you know, I'm the head teacher, I'm the leader, it's, it is partly down to me to try and improve that and to try and, and help that. And, you know, I'm not saying to do anything ridiculous, but I think you can try and make a connection with a person through finding, you know, where you might have something in common, perhaps, or, you you know, there might be something historically that you've both done or both shared or or something where you can build a connection just like you would um as a as a teacher with a child in your class you can get a sense sometimes if a, a child in your class doesn't particularly like you and so in that instance you would try and make a connection with them on some level and find out a bit more about them and you know what they like doing and where they live and what they're interested in and what makes them happy and and so I think as a as a leader, if you're getting that sense from everybody, that's exactly the kind of thing that you would go and try and do with that person. And I I, I guess really it comes from that that element of of being trusted as a leader. Mm. Um, mm. You know, like doesn't mean I don't know being invited to the pub on a Friday afternoon you know because people want to spend time with you or kind of mm. getting massively involved in people's personal uh, lives and, and kind of talking to people on a kind of a, a 
a friend basis, I guess. I, mm-hmm. You know, I've always been of the opinion, and and I hope it doesn't, you know, to people listening, make me come across so loose. But I've always been of the opinion as a leader that you don't need to be people's friends in the same way that you don't need to be your, you know, definitely don't need to be the pupils that you teach. You don't need to be their friend, but there needs to be a mutual respect there. And hmm. there are there are always going to be people that that we work with, I work with currently that I. I find difficult from a personality point of view, but having that professional trust and that um, confidence in their ability to be the best they can be, you know, yeah. as as an educator is is absolutely vital, really. Um, and uh, you know, I, you know, we talked about in the first part of the show about all the different things that you have to essentially juggle and, and multitask. I mean. <laughs> You know, there is there is a, a, a line of thought that, that you know, and we love, um, you know, it, the education sector in general loves a kind of label for something. And, and kind of one of the latest ones that is coming out at the moment is something called decision fatigue, which I know that you've obviously heard of. Mm. Do you do you find that you get that in terms of like, you know, you get to the weekend <laughs> and you're just like, no one ask me any question ever again. Like, do you feel like yeah. that kind of that's a big part of what you do? And being asked kind of question after question after question after question, probably more so than if you were in a classroom, because at least then, to be blunt, some of the questions would be relevant <laughs> that you're getting asked, and you'll kind mm. of feel like that's part and parcel of the job. But yeah. do you, you kind of feel like that's the case sometimes. Yeah, I I massively feel like that, and it is. I mean, you're, you're spot on. It is just non-stop throughout the day in terms of decisions that people want to make want you to make um and it could be could be massive things it could be very small things but it's it's absolutely non-stop and and I have definitely felt that with with decision fatigue but I think something that has really helped me is you know saying to myself right during my working day and the hours of the day that I'm choosing that I'm going to work which can you know differ from day to day in terms of going into evenings and and starting early but in the hours of the day that I'm going to work I am going to be you know this is this will be asked of me because it is part of my role however outside of those hours there are things that I can do to eliminate my own decision fatigue um so just down to quite basic things but you know planning my meals for the week (laughs) planning in advance you know if I'm going to do any kind of like exercise or whatever in the evenings and just knowing that from Sunday um and just other little day-to-day things any anywhere that I can eliminate having to make decisions (laughs) outside of working hours I've tried to do um and it might sound it might sound sort of a little bit silly and a bit like oh gosh that's really you know you're being very um highly ultra organized but f- for me it has definitely helped to just not have to make little decisions in my personal life day to day that c- could be made in advance i've got then more energy and you know time to give to making decisions during my working day And does that help, do you think? I think it does, just in terms of I can sort of switch off from having to make so many decisions outside of work because I've already done them. Um, 
and I think the other thing is where I'm where decisions are being asked of me during the working day knowing that I don't necessarily have to give them straight away obviously sometimes you do because it's going to impact on something else but sometimes I think it's just saying to yourself I don't actually have to decide this now um so that's one thing and I think another thing is sometimes there's not actually a decision to be made or a problem to be to be solved um and this is something I've thought about more quite recently because sorry if you can hear that noise it's (laughs) who is that it is my cat Rocco and he's not happy that I've been sitting in the same place for such a long time and and not being at his beck and call so he's just making his presence known um but yeah something else that I've thought about more recently is that sometimes people can be sharing something with you or or offloading or whatever but they don't actually want you to make a decision at at the end of it or they don't actually want you to solve a problem at the end of it they just want to feel listened to and I think early on in my in my headship I was trying to make decisions and solve things for people when actually they didn't want me to do that they just wanted me to kind of acknowledge where they were at and and give them an ear um so yeah those those things have sort of helped me with that definitely that's good i mean it's it's you know we're fully aware being in the office we get asked a lot of questions on a lot of uh on a lot of subjects all of the time so it's it's good to you know to get that balance and it's 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 positive that you're able to switch off and i think people need to hear that right i think you know one of the things that you are always able to do and i'm able to say this because i work with you is that you're able to manage your time very very effectively and you have you know away from work you know you have a very away from school i don't like calling it work but away from school you have a very kind of busy full life um and obviously you read, don't you? You know, you, you read an awful lot and you're always spouting off something here or there. But I think <laughs> I think all the stuff that you read kind of, you know, builds to what you try and do with other people and try and give to other people. And I think that that's, you know, that's, that's really important as a leader, you know, always to, to always be kind of self-aware enough to reflect and to be able to balance you know what is what is effectively a really difficult climate for education right now in terms of 2023 and what's going on so you know being able to make decisions in your own time is is a really key component of that i think really um so yeah it's it's not <clears throat> it's not a straightforward job but also it's 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 something that you clearly enjoy um, oh absolutely absolutely love it <laughs> and, and, and I, I guess really like you know, we, we started the show with a little bit of background about how you got to, to being uh, a head teacher. When you, when you joined in, in 2018 and when you accepted the job in 2018, is the job that you're doing now kind of what you signed up to do? Or is it something that you thought has just evolved mm-hmm. massively over that period of time? Mm. It it is what I signed up to do. And I remind myself of that on the very, very hard days, because I think it can sometimes be quite easy to, you know, you have a bad day and you're feeling a bit angry and people have got under your skin and things haven't gone as you planned. And 
you can sort of say to yourself literally the words like this isn't what I signed up for this isn't what I wanted to do like this is not the job that I applied for rah 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 but actually if you pause and take a moment and and think about it it probably is exactly that and that's why you're feeling the way you're feeling because it's hard (laughs) because it's challenging um so I think you know when when you're feeling that it's it's a good idea to sort of remind yourself this is what I signed up for you know I knew that I was going to be doing a challenging job that was hard and I knew I was going to have a lot of accountability and I knew I'd be interrupted a lot and and all of those kinds of things but also I knew that I would get to develop other people and see progress and build great relationships and see children get excited over tiny little things and help them learn to read and lead assemblies where you've got the whole school there and everybody is smiling and laughing at the same thing that's gone on so you know with all of the with all of the challenges there's all the amazing bits as well and and you signed up for all of it you're not just signing up for the good days Mm. that's a good point you know you you kind of got a rough idea of what you're getting into and then it kind of explodes into to what it is and morphs and changes and and some weeks i guess i'm well i know we're more positive than others Mm. um and you know on that kind of that positivity note you know for, for you personally what what's the best part of the role for, for you? Um, if there seeing, is one thing, yeah. I know that's difficult to answer. To, but to, you know. if I had to pick one thing, it would be seeing seeing people grow, seeing people grow. Whether it's whether it's the children, whether it's the staff, whether it's the families, just seeing people grow and develop and and make progress that is my absolute best and favorite part of the job and helping that to happen being part of a team that makes that happen leading a team that makes that happen that's my favorite part yeah i think it's um <clears throat> you always want people to, to to go on you know whether it's children whether it's the staff to, to bigger and better things really and if they can if they can get that grounding with something you've done or something you've given them, not you, but just, you know, generally I think is, is, is really, really important. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's, you know, we, I think we've, we've covered an awful lot in this podcast. We could probably talk for another three hours on the role really, but <laughs> the key thing is the kind of the variety, the diverse nature of the job, the fact there are lots of positives, um, the fact that of course there are negatives but it's how you manage those negatives and mm-hmm. I, I think you've explained really well the kind of the components that lead you to to the kind of leader that you are and how you want to how you want to do things and kind of being you know authentic to yourself if that's if we're going to if we're going to chuck around the a word um and you know it, it, it's important i think it's important for anyone listening to this who's in a leadership role to kind of go what is it i want to give other people what do i want to do for them as well as being able to manage my own time effectively and do the best that i can for me mm. um so yeah i think you've i think you've done that really really well um to end the show 
because I always like to do a bit of, you know, what are you up to at the moment? <laughs> what, because uh, you're an avid reader, we talked about that earlier. What kind of stuff are you reading at the moment? Or what are you reading at the moment? Um, <laughs> I can remember you asked me this before and <laughs> I'm always reading something that's a little bit um, random, but I've just... <laughs> I don't know why I'm choosing this one because I've said to you before I've always got a few different things on the go but I've just started a book that's called The Forager's Handbook (laughs) and um, it's really interesting because it's all about kind of wild plants and wild foods that grow around us very locally in this country and you know the seasons where you can find them and where they might be Um, so I think it's wild garlic season right now. (laughs) Um, so <laughs> I probably should have chosen a different book to now, tell you about. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's yeah, it's it's a really interesting book. I'd highly recommend it. <laughs> Goodness me, you're not reading about trees at the moment. Oh, that was a really good book. That that was the book that I was reading last time. No, I'm not reading about trees. I've all I've just ordered a book about clouds though. Um, because that's something that I'd like to learn a lot more about. Um, because it was actually yesterday I was sitting um, in the garden enjoying the bank holiday weather and I can see so many clouds from my garden because I can see a lot of open sky because I'm I'm slightly raised up on a little bit of a hill. Um, and I spend a lot of time looking at clouds and realised I don't know a huge amount about them. So if anybody listening can recommend some good books on clouds, that would be really <laughs> helpful. <laughs> Well, that is a really, really specific request, isn't it? Um, really. I don't know if I'm allowed to do requests, but you know. I mean, you're I thought I'd talk about something that wasn't to do with um, teaching or leadership. Yeah, well, I think that's you know again, but it just it, it it's important, isn't it? You know, pulling it back round because the the role of a head teacher can be so uh, all encompassing, can't it? And all. Yeah. Uh, you know all absorbing but actually you need that break you know you need that kind of I'm going to step away from education you know mm. I've never really worked with people that have really dived into the kind of educational theory element of it and I you know I, I never have particularly I like talking to people in education but I don't sit there and read you know reams and reams and reams of kind of where you do this in the classroom you do that in school or whatever I don't it, it's not something that I do so I think the fact that you choose to read you know what a fairly abstract thing <laughs> is is probably quite a positive really um and it you know it comes back to being able to share stuff right it, it exactly. comes back to being able to kind of exactly. to allow other people to grow through what you're sharing with them your experiences and, and vice versa and that's what it's all about so yeah really really good stuff um we are incredibly we're just about out of time um wow. so i know that's been quite incredible that's, yeah that was a genuine wow it might have sounded sarcastic <laughs> I, I never know. I never know these days. Um, shortly before we went on air, there was um, there was a discussion between uh, Tom and a guy called Phil Beale, I think his name is. I've never heard of him, actually. I probably should have done. Um, but they were talking about slant. Uh, and so I, I wasn't, wasn't hugely aware of... <clears throat> sorry, losing my voice. I wasn't hugely aware of what slant actually was. But... Um, you do you probably need to check out that interview i think um it's not you know not just you louisa but everyone it's a very interesting um 
example of how, in my opinion, not to put across an opinion or rather put across an opinion, but then not be prepared to listen or be challenged on that opinion. Um, so definitely have a look at that. It will be on, it's definitely on our Twitter page. It'll probably be on our YouTube channel as well. Um, from my point of view, uh, next week, my guest is a guy called John Cosgrove, who has recently had quite a lot of um, focus on some of the articles he's written about, you know, the educational inspection system and Ofsted and things like that, and mm. actually used to work in, in Reading as part of the LEA as well. So really excited to have John on the show next week. Um, he'll be coming up uh, six o'clock next Tuesday on the Twilight Show with myself, Ben Thomas. Um so yeah, all these things to look forward to. Lots of good content on there. Um, lots of good shows happening this week as well. So you know, if, there'll be something for everyone. If if you're not particularly into this one, I hope you are. I hope you've enjoyed it. But there'll be there'll be lots of other things that you can listen to uh, that are coming up this week. But also you can have uh, on a playback through Podbean as well. Um, Louisa, thank you so much for giving up uh, part of your Tuesday evening. Have you enjoyed your second outing on my Twilight Show? I have absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me back. No problem at all. And we, I'm sure, will get you back on uh, before the year is out anyway, put it that way. Um, have a really, really good week. Uh, enjoy what you're doing. Uh, another, obviously, bank holiday weekend uh, coming up this weekend, so that'd be good. If you are into SAT season as well, if you're working in primary school, then good luck with it. I hope your pupils are, are kind of staying nice and calm and you're staying nice and calm and everything else. And I will see you back here at 6pm next Tuesday, live on The Twilight Show. Thanks for listening, and I will see you soon.